Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, my youths? Welcome to another new episode of my podcast titled The Truth for Youth. Uh, my name is Bentu St. Jean, your host, yours truly. And today I'm very excited because we have ourselves another interesting topic. And today's subject is titled Movies Are Us. All right, it's movies are us, not toys are us. Movies are us. Now, I know that in today's societies, man, movies are hot. Theaters are not as packed. You know, we're going through a pandemic still. Uh, but nonetheless, Netflix has gone through the roof. Streaming has gone mainstream. And it seems that each and every day, society is consuming more and more entertainment and movies. And, um, and it seems that this has become a part of everyday life as we now know it. Uh, but have you ever stopped and wondered and think how what you watch can affect what you do? Do these streaming channels and companies and businesses, do they know that these things can affect our behavior? Or even should I say our society as a whole? Well, you'll be interesting to see what we're going to find as we discuss this subject of movies are us on this podcast episode i wouldn't want to miss it if i was you so stay tuned the first time i ever went to a movie theater it was at a drive-thru at swap shop i believe it was a disney movie i had to be about three or four years old and i know this is true because i have six other siblings that confirmed this um, that was the first time I went to a movie, movie theaters and it was drive-in movie theater. And while I don't necessarily remember everything that happened, that was actually one of my first movie experiences. And then as I got a little bit older, uh, still young, when I was in elementary school, we used to go on these field trips, um, every year and every so now and then they would take us to the IMAX theaters where we would watch, um, movies and films um, on screen and I remember one specific film I think it was Finding Nemo uh, but it wasn't made by Pixar it was made by Animal Planet it was real fishes um, real fishes real animals uh, we also saw Shark Tales that too wasn't made by Pixar that too was made by Animal Planet and it was real sharks and it was a very interesting experience I loved going to the theaters. I loved movies, cinemas, and growing up, I loved it so much that in middle school, um, I used to watch it for free. Me and my friends, every summer, we used to sneak into movie theaters and watch movies. And actually, one of the first movies that I saw on screen, a uh, full movie on screen in theaters, uh, was Iron Man. It was the first Iron Man that came out, I believe it was in 2008. When I was in eighth grade and I had a chance to watch Iron Man for the first time. And that was an amazing, um, thrilling experience um, as a kid at the time. Uh, but of course, uh, since then, uh, movies have definitely changed. I know there's not too many drive-in movie theaters nowadays. That's sort of a thing that's phased out. Um, and especially with the time that we're living in now, considering the pandemic, Streaming has now taken over the platform and Netflix 
sits front and center stage. Uh, let me run an interesting fact. In quarter one of 2021, Netflix had 207.64 million paying subscribers. Now, of course, with the pandemic, more individuals prefer to watch movies at the comfort of their home rather than uh, theaters or the cinema. Uh, according to a survey as of 2020, over 70% of people prefer streaming at home, which makes sense because you don't have someone at home charging $50 for popcorns and $30 for a small Coke. You also don't have to wait for the movie to start. You can just start it with the click of your own remote. You also don't have annoying people ringing cell phones. It's far more comfortable and enjoying, right? And we all watch movies, right, from any age range. Uh, the average age of Netflix users is 35 to 44. Uh, but that's as far as those who actually pay and are subscribed to Netflix. Uh, then there's the 41% that doesn't pay. Uh, that's the youth, right? <laughs> and that's that's us, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, movies are lit. Every day we watch movies. Every day it's a part of the American lifestyle. Um, you just got to have a movie that you need um, to watch. And I believe that as young people, we enjoy movies um, just as much as adults do as well, right? But have you ever stopped and wonder how movies could possibly shape behavioral patterns? Now, I hate to be a party pooper, but we got to talk about this. Let's talk about it. Movies are exciting, no doubt. I mean, we all know that hands down, movies and movie time is probably one of the most exciting and thrilling things to experience. I remember growing up, um, as I mentioned before, I used to go to drive through theaters, but we used to also watch movies at homes and me and my siblings, my sisters, my brother, we would gather around the TV, we would get Doritos, Pop-Tarts, uh, Hershey's, Snickers, Grab all of our snacks and food and get ready to just watch the movie and, and let the clip roll. And it's so funny because all throughout my childhood and life, I watched and admired movies, actors and stars and films. And, you know, and it was just it was just a part of 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 life as we as we know it. Right. Like you just couldn't have a, a good weekend or a good week without watching at least one good movie. I mean, I had to get one good film in, right? Um, but as I mentioned before, with us consuming entertainment and showbiz as we now do today, especially at the rate that we do um, today, uh, the question that I have to ask is, how does this really affect our behavior? Because at some point, it 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 has to, right? At some point, what we watch and what we see on screen and film has to come out um, in the way we interact in life and behave in reality, right? And one thing that I've noticed um, after all of my experiences of watching movies and films, my expertise 
watching films and things like that and being a film critic uh, myself is that no one watches a movie and not behave like the movie they watched, right? It's not enough for us to see as humans we want to be. We want to be a part of an experience. If I see Spider-Man, I want to be Spider-Man. And that's true. I remember watching Spider-Man films growing up. And I remember the first time I seen the first Spider-Man. I kid you, no lie. There was a scene in the Spider-Man where Tobey Maguire first gets bitten by the radioactive spider. Um, and then he tries to attempt to attest his spidey powers. And there's a scene where he's climbing on the wall and you can see like on his fingertips, there's like little threads and, and needles that, that are kind of like spider-like. And he begins to climb on the wall. And, uh, and I'm not going to lie. At the time, I tried to attempt this at my neighborhood wall, apartment wall, and it, it really didn't work. I almost I almost hurt myself pretty bad. Um, but that's what it is, right? You see a movie and you automatically think, man, I want to be that person. Or I want to be that person um, in screen. Because every time, no one really watches a movie and I pictured themselves in it. I mean, that's what I did. Anytime I saw a movie, I pictured myself in the movie, right? That's why I hated watching scary movies um, growing up. For me, it wasn't so scary. It was more so stressful, right? Because you're watching the movie and you see these actors and these players in the movies and it's like, yo, man, like, don't go in the closet, okay? He's waiting for you in there. Stay away from the closet. And what they do, they go ahead and they go in the closet. You know, the phone rings. Don't pick up the phone. Let the phone ring, all right? You're already home alone. There's nobody there. Somebody just got killed yesterday. Don't pick up the phone, Joey. And what does Joey go do? Joey go ahead and he picks up the phone. And so at one point, I'm like, you know what? I mean, at this point, you're not even listening to me, right? I mean, I know I'm just an audience, but hey, you're in the movie and I'm not. I guess that tells me something, right? And then at some point, it's like, man, y'all keep dying. Y'all keep getting killed. I don't even care no more. I hope the main character die. I hope all y'all die. I hope he finds all of y'all since y'all don't want to hear anything that I have to say. <laughs> I mean, literally, that's just how I felt watching scary movies. I mean, like, and, always, and also, too, like the brothers. Why did they have to let the brothers die first as well? Um, but one thing that I also noticed, too, is that the brain really does not know the difference. It cannot differentiate between what is on screen and what is reality. Take for an example, there was a research uh, that was done um, on monkeys, right? It was a monkey experience. And monkeys, there was an experiment where a monkey was placed in front of an object and the researchers watched the monkey, right? Pick up this object with his hand. Now, when he picked up the object with his hand, they had some sort of scan that read his brain, I guess, and that was showing images of his brain. And the part of the brain that is activated when the monkey picks up the object was shown. Now, in a similar experiment, they did another one, but instead of the monkey picking up an object, they placed a human being on the other side. 
And so the monkey's watching the human being and the same object is in front of a human being. Now, instead of the monkey picking up the object, the human being picks up the object. Now, the monkey is watching the human being picks up the object. And what they found was quite interesting. What they found was that when the monkey looked at the individual, the human being picking up the object, not the monkey himself, they found that the same part of the brain that reacts when the monkey picked up the object is the same part of the brain that was activated when he watched the uh, human being pick up the object. In other words, the brain acted as if the monkey himself was picking up the object. What am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say that the brain really does not know the difference between what is on screen and what is in reality. Now, of course, in your mind, you know that the movie that you're watching is fictional. But even though you know that it's fictional, you still get scared when someone gets stabbed. You still jump out when someone gets shot or, you know, or something dramatic happens in the scene. Your emotions still are involved because your brain don't really know the difference. And ultimately, the subconscious mind um, is affected, right? Now, you might think this does not just apply to kids, right? That's why kids always think, oh, you know, there's, hopefully there's no monsters underneath my bed. And you know, I used to have uh, two nephews I used to live with. And um, every night, be so scared, you know, like, uh, are there any monsters in the closet? Any monsters in the bed? Ain't no monster in the closet, man. Ain't no monster in the bed, man. Listen to me. Go to sleep. You got school tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and that's how it is. But we think that it's just kids. We think kids see things on TV and they try to implement it in life, which I can relate to as a kid as well. But this actually applies to all ages. And by all ages, I mean even grown adults. I'm talking grown folks. Paying taxes, law-abiding, hardworking Americans, right? These people, these class of people as well, are not immune to uh, not being able to differentiate between what is real and what is on screen. Now, I'll give you a perfect example. Michael B. Jordan, probably one of the most famous and beloved actors in Hollywood, who is currently dating uh, my ex, Laura Harvey, as you can tell. I'm not too fond of that, but it's all good, Laura. I found Jesus. <laughs> I don't want to go into that. <laughs> JK, just joking, just joking. Proverbs 31, Proverbs 31, a virtuous woman who can find. But yeah, Michael B. Jordan is famous for his roles in Fantastic Four as the Black Human Torch of Fruitville Station, Remorse. But he really grew a lot more popular through the Black Panther film as Killmonger. But there's a specific film that follows Michael B. Jordan even off the screen. And that's the film Creed. I believe they're making a third one. Before, uh, but so far they've made two, uh, which was a huge success. Um, it's a film that follows the Rocky trilogy, one of the most, if not the most famous boxing film uh by Sylvester uh Stallone you know you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do <laughs> well in an interview Michael B Jordan was asked if he can actually box the character he plays in the movie Creed is actually Apollo's Creed son which was also um a well-known boxer in the previous Rocky film and he plays as a professional boxer so Michael B Jordan smirks at the question and he gives this answer he revealed that there are people who watch the movie, who watch Creed, right? 
and they actually tried to pick a fight with him and test his boxing skills. I mean, grown men, grown adults want to fist fight an actor because of a fictional movie they saw. And honestly, Michael B. Jordan admitted that he's not a pro-level, you know, pay-per-view fighting champ. But I mean, years of making that film has made him pretty def uh, decent enough uh, to whoop some casuals behind. Now, I told you, the brain does not know the difference. That's why it's not hard. That's why it's hard to see the actor, to not see the actor as the role they played very well. Like for me, Robert Downey Good Jr., Robert Downey Jr. will always be Iron Man. I don't care how many movies he makes, that's him. Chris Tucker, to me, will always be Carter from Rush Hours. And the crazy thing is, actors get punished in life for roles they played on screen. Like, yo, just chilly. It's just a movie. It ain't real, right? Like, you get actors who would literally, after a film is... Um, after a film is released, or even in TV shows is released, they would literally get hacked by uh, movie fanatics and critics who would literally send death threats to them for things they did in the show in a movie that's just a movie. Literally death threats, right? And I'm not talking about from 12-year-old Jake and Josh. I'm talking about grown folks, 30-year-old Nancy's, uh, Melinda, you know what I mean? Um, you know, Joseph, I'm talking about grown folks who are literally sending death threats in emails to actors in their acting role, not even for what they did in life, but for what they did on screen. It's crazy. The brain really does not know the difference. Now, I know when we talk about movies, right, we talk about how movies can affect us as individuals and how it can affect individuals' behavior. But did you also know, too, that movies as well has also played a role in shaping culture and even society as a whole? I mean, let's even talk about it like this, right? Um, we even use movie references in everyday language, right? And I have a perfect example. I have a coworker named Juan, whom I, you know, from time to time would talk to, we have our conversations from here and there. He works in the IT department. And sometimes he come through in my mailroom department and, you know, we have our conversation and we like to chit chat, you know, guys talk, you know, guys, when we have our talk, we have our talk and we talk our talk and we talk. So when we have our talk, Juan, he loves making jokes. Uh, but the problem with Juan is that when he makes his jokes, a lot of them are strictly movie references. Now, and, and I don't know if Juan understands that I have not watched as much movies as he has in his life, maybe because he's a lot, little more older than I am. But most of his jokes I don't get because most of the movies he get them from, I have never seen in my life before. But... That's what it is. And, and, and even in today's society that we live now in this meme generation, most of the memes are heavily dominated by movie references. I mean, when Black Panther came out, I can't tell you how many memes that were surrounding Black Panther, Avengers, how many memes surrounded um, uh, Thanos and surrounded 
uh, you know, Spider-Man and all of these things. I mean, movies and culture has literally shaped the way we have even uh, interact with each other. It has even entered our language, our speech in everyday life, right? It seems that life on screen has some has sort of transitioned to the way we interact um, with one another. But also the interesting thing too about movies as well is that it has also affected the course of society and even the course of a nation. And specifically, I'm speaking of during the time of World War II, cinema played a very huge role and impact during this time and era. Matter of fact, the German cinema from 1927 to 1945 was drastically affected by the political environment that grew within the nation during this time. Now, obviously, the notorious Adolf Hitler, the Führer of Germany, and the Nazi party was ascending power preaching unity in the rise of a new order. But who a lot of people don't talk about as much as Hitler is Joseph Goebbels, who was a Nazi German politician, but more infamously known as the Minister of Propaganda from 1933 to 1945. He was Hitler's minister, and he understood the power of propaganda. He led the controlling force of German cinema. He watched films every day, he was a film fanatic, and he socialized with filmmakers on a daily basis, right? When the Nazis seized power, he was named the president of the newly created Chamber of Culture, and he took control of all the national propaganda machinery, right? Now get this, he also had control over the press, the radio, the arts, films, theaters, literature, and music. As a result, propaganda became a major influence in German films that always favored and advocated for the Nazi party. Hitler was a movie fanatic himself. He was a huge fan of movies, much like a lot of us today, unfortunately. He even fostered relationships with actors, film directors, and screamed films as after-dinner entertainment, just like his minister, right? Hitler, too, understood the power and scope of influence the cinema has. There was a specific movie that Hitler loved. It was called Metropolis by the famous director Fritz Lang. Lang's masterpiece focuses on an oppressed lower class that rose to power through one individual. Seven years after that movie came out in 1927, in 1934, a movie was released called Triumph des Willens by Lenny Riefenstahl. This film was drastically saturated with German propaganda about German society fighting outside international oppression and rebuilding itself to a world power under the guidance of their hero, Adolf Hitler. The latter represented every ideal that the former stood against. It was basically the same movie Hitler loved and adored, but reimagined through his vision of rise to power and culture. 
Scary enough, even his appearance was remodeled after that film. In the movie, he was made to be the man of the people and would stand out in plain clothing with a World War I badge while the masses would be dressed in military outfits. He was made to be larger than life on screen. Why am I mentioning all of this? I'm saying this to, to show how the cinema can reinforce ideologies and possibly turn the course of a nation, even as in Nazi Germany during World War II. You see, a lot of the Germans during that time were law-abiding, I mean, everyday citizens. Many people wonder what could have led them to be led by a man with such radical and extreme views as Hitler. Well, the cinema and the arts was a huge factor. I'm saying all of this to say that cinema has more contribution to the course of our society than just providing mere entertainment. Movies can reinforce ideologies, get us to reimagine the world in whatever light it wants us to, be it for good or for evil. Here's an interesting quote I got from an article uh, called Multilingual. Here's something that it says. It says, every movie is set and developed in a particular culture. Movies are an integral part of us. They mirror what we believe and how we coexist as people. It is easier to see our concerns, attitudes, flaws, and strengths in films than it is to decipher them from our daily interactions. When our prevalent beliefs and ideologies are challenged in films, we are sometimes able to integrate ourselves and embrace change. We are more susceptible to embrace change when movies, rather than everyday life or people, challenge our prevalent ideas and beliefs. Even Jim Crow was a movie where white actors painted their faces black to reinforce black stereotypes and paint African-Americans in a negative light, representing them as ignorant, hypersexuals, large facial features, goofballs, and clowns with no brain. It was such a huge part of racist propaganda that it literally made it to the legislation. I mean, talk about from film to legislation, right? And let's also talk about sex, for example. Why do you think our society is so sexually promiscuous? I have an assignment for you. Go to your Netflix catalog and just browse the movie catalogs. I guarantee you that in every four or five movie cards you see, there is a woman in a red dress, a man kissing a woman, a half-naked woman. Movies are trying to shape the behavioral patterns of our use. It shapes us to believe that money brings happiness and that sex is the highest human experience. When it has been scientifically proven that sex is far more enjoyable in a long-term committed relationship with religious values rather than one night stands and hookups. But that's only for pure flicks. Netflix is anything but pure. Society is constantly pushing materialism, success, power, money, sex, and fame as real aims of life, when really these things in themselves are as valueless as dust to gold. But yet our youths are pouring all of their time and energy to acquiring these things. You know, no one does anything without having some sort of some sort of an idea of what they are getting themselves into. Now they may not fully grasp or understand or comprehend what it is, but there's a picture they carry in their minds that either attracts or lead them to it. These mental pictures are pitched and fed to them by the movies, TV shows, music, and arts that are constantly promoting it. 
And there are actors who stand up against these things. Chris Tucker, for example, was famously known as Smokey in the movie Friday. And you notice, man, beat it, Chris, beat it. <laughs> I love Chris Tucker. But he turned down 10 to $12 million to play that same role, Smokey, by Ice Cube. And in an interview, he mentioned his reason. He said because of his religious views, Chris Tucker moved to Atlanta during that time and became a born-again Christian. He didn't want to promote smoking weed and smoking as cool. He didn't want to reinforce that impression on young people. I don't know, y'all, but it seems like Chris knows something. Chris must understand the power of influence. He must understand the power of cinema, of influence that it can have on the behavioral patterns of not even just society, but our youths, the future of society. It's funny because the Bible understands the power of movie propagandists. Matter of fact, the Bible warns us about movie propagandists. There's a phrase in the scripture that goes, as you behold, you become changed. That's a fixed law in the universe. Whatever you see will create in you a desire to become it. Whether you want to or not, consciously or subconsciously, this is why the Bible warns us to guard the avenues of our souls, the things that we see, the things that we look at, because eventually we will begin to reflect those very things. And that's why the Bible is constantly warning us to abstain from any appearance of evil and away from any appearance of anything that's not like God, right? And interesting enough, the Bible gives us a movie to watch, right? The Bible's not entirely against us watching a movie. The only thing is, it's what movie we watch. And there's one movie that the Bible specifically calls us to watch, and that's the glory of God. <laughs> Here's an interesting thing, right? 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 puts it like this. But we all, with open face, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. Watch this. Are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The glory of God in this scripture is literally depicted as a movie. Check this out. It says, as in a glass, we behold his face. You know, when you're watching a movie, you're looking through a glass. Your flat screen TV, that is a glass you're looking through. The movie in the cinema is being projected through a glass. As we are looking at God's glory, it is as if we are looking through a glass. And it gets deeper. The scripture also says from image to image. If you look up the textbook definition of a movie, it is defined as a recording of moving images that tells a story and people watch on screen or a television. Moving images 
Hints movie. Self-explanatory, right? It gets even crazier. There's a story in the Bible in Exodus 33 from 18 to 23 where Moses is having a conversation with God and Moses makes this strange request. He says, hey, God, you know, you know, we've been friends for some time and, um, you know, I, I want to see your glory. And God says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, showing mercy to whom I want to show mercy. But you cannot see my face. That I cannot do because no man has seen my face and lived. Plus you, my boy, and I want you to live. So this is what I'm going to do. There's a place not too far from here. All right, come on now, put it on your GPS. And it will come to pass that you will stand upon a rock. And then he says, while my glory passeth by, that I will put you on a cliff of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Did you catch that emphasis? Pass by was mentioned twice. And the last time I checked, another word for passing by is move. God's glory moves like a movie from image to image. The cliff of the rock God puts Moses on was as a theater as he watched the glory of God move and pass by. The more we watch God's glory, the more we become like him. So the reason why I no longer watch movies or go to the theaters is not merely because Hollywood has gone corrupt. Actors are worshiping the devil and are a part of this secret society or Illuminati or the Masonry. But bigger than that, I don't want to become what I see on screen. I don't want to become Spider-Man. I don't want to become Batman. I don't want to become an Avenger. I don't want to become Tom Cruise. I want to become like God. We were created to be a movie like God because when God created humanity, he created us in his image. That is why whatever we do in every scene of our lives, the glory of God was supposed to be shown. Not only us, but nature is God's movie. Every scene in nature points to God's glory. The ocean, the mountains, the animals, they are all motion pictures of God's glory. And nature is by far the greatest show on earth. It's not called Hollywood for nothing. Peep the word wood. Jesus' life was a movie that tells the story of God. In every scene of his life, we behold the character of God. In every miracle, in every sermon, in every interaction with humanity, in every interaction with the devil and his angels, in everything that Jesus did from the time he was born in a manger to the cross, 
Christ reflected the image of God, right? There's a story in the Bible where uh, the disciples first meet Jesus, right? And one of the disciples named Philip comes to Christ and he says, hey, yo, man, show us the father. And Jesus is like, Philip, have I not been so long with you? If you have seen me, you have seen the father. Basically, Jesus is saying, you are watching the father. You are watching the throne. You are watching the glory of God when you are looking at me, right? Everything that Jesus did pointed to his father. You see, there's nothing or no one on Netflix I want to become. There's a scene in the Last Dance documentary, which was a documentary that was documenting the glory days of the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan's success during the late 80s and early 90s. And there's a part where it shows an ad by Nike that says, everyone wants to become like Mike. Because during that era, Michael Jordan was, as they say, bigger and larger than life. You see, I don't want to become like Mike. I want to become like Christ. And besides, we are in a movie. The conflict between good and evil, between Christ and Satan, is a drama-filled movie in itself. We are on the closing scenes of Earth's history. Don't it feel like a movie? Everywhere we go, people are wearing a mask. Dangers are everywhere. We got a social distance. We're in a pandemic. No one trusts anybody. Nobody trusts the government. Sounds like a thriller to me. Matter of fact, the Bible says that we are made spectacles before men and angels. Angels are eating popcorn, looking at our every move and beholding the final scenes on Earth's history, wondering which side are we going to choose? It's like a scary movie, right? You know, in a scary movie, you're screaming at the actor because you see the danger they are in and you're trying to give them hints to save them. It's the same thing. Angels, the Holy Spirit are constantly yelling at the screen. They're constantly yelling at human beings. They're constantly yelling at us, telling us to watch out for the incoming danger, telling us to watch out for the dangers of temptations and the dangers of what, of the snares that the enemy has laid out for us. And they're wondering who in the end will listen to us and become smart enough to realize this thing is real. I don't know about you, but I want to be that smart person in a scary movie that no one listens to, who seems like they're crazy and they're radical in the beginning, but in the end, they're the only one who ends up alive because they were right all along. If angels are telling me not to pick up the phone when it rings, I'm not picking it up. When angels are yelling at me to not open the door when it knocks, I'm not opening the door because I know something is up. And in the end, there's only two ways this movie can end. Either we end up becoming 
like God or we end up becoming like his adversary, the image of Satan. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going down like all the dumb people who died in a scary movie before their time. As for me and my house, we will serve and behold the glory of the Lord. You can have your popcorn. All right. So that pretty much sums up today's episode. I want to thank you all for listening to this podcast, The Truth For You. And if you haven't, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you may be able to get extra contents and other counsels and advices as we just had on this episode. This will be all my youths. May you all have a blessed one. And until next time, like always, stay blessed. Goodbye.